The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Did I pronounce it right? Pretty is it, good. How are you? Is it Goose? It's Goza. Goza. Oh, see, I knew. It. I figured nailed I was. It. I figured I was screwing nailed that one it. up. <laughs> so, is that the the classic German beer? Yes, it is. What? Describe it to us. Well, you know, Goza is. Uh, it's quite different from German beer that we know today, which is mostly pilsners uh, or light lagers. Goza is. Uh, it's a wheat beer, like a Berliner Weiss, and it's also sour, uh, like Berliner Weiss got a nice refreshing tartness, and then it has a nice kind of a little saline quality to it. There's a little salt in it, and it's usually spiced with either spruce or coriander. Boy, I love all of the uh, focus on brewing over the last few years. Love it. That's obviously something yeah, you've that, been passionate about. Yeah, I've been passionate about that. I've been doing it for about 30 years, and uh, I think, you know, Back about 40 or 50 years ago, most Americans considered beer as, you know, something to wet your whistle with and move on. Uh, And I think the changes in the culinary and wine industry have kind of brought beer along with it. And so it's been a, for me anyway, it's been a fantastic change. Well, yeah, and you think about the history of it. So you had a lot of brewers um, from Germany primarily, but a lot of places that came to America, you know, 100 whatever years ago and and brought brewing to America um, in some areas like, um, you know, the East Coast. I know Cincinnati was a big brew area as well. Uh, Obviously, St. Louis with Anheuser. And they brought it. And then it became that mass-produced which is, you know, just the evolution of how things, you know, smaller batch or whatever, probably more craft because it was family recipes and stuff. Then it became mass produced and that's what we got used to. So now we're really just kind of going back to the roots of it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, a lot of immigrants did come over from Germany, um, Belgium, England, and brought with them their brewing traditions. And they settled in places yeah, like Cincinnati, Milwaukee, uh, St. Louis. And there were a lot of little breweries. And... I think it wasn't just brewing, but all things kind of conglomeration and uh, the takeover of bigger companies. So you saw that in the food industry, in the clothing industry, and I think we're going away from that now and uh, getting back to smaller producers, which is fun, you know? It is, absolutely. So what was your evolution? How did you, what's your ride been like to get here? (laughs) Um, I started off as a home brewer. Because who doesn't want to make their own drugs, right? Of course. <laughs> and and uh, one day, uh, I just it dawned on me. I was working at a bar and trying to pay off my student loans from university. And I thought, you know, this guy came in from a small brewery. And I thought, you know, somebody pays somebody to make this stuff. Maybe they'd be paying me. So I bottled <laughs> up some homebrew and went down to the local brewery and started pesting the brewer. And one day he said, okay, listen, kid. Don't bring your homebrew in anymore. I'll give you a job. Fine. Nice. So it was, uh, you were, became an apprentice, basically? Yeah, yeah. I, I apprenticed with him for about a year and a half. And he, he was good to me. He was a nice guy. His name was Rick Buchanan. Uh, I think he's still making beer up in the Okanagan, uh, in, just outside of Canada now. Uh, and he took me under his wing and moved me around to different departments. And I got a pretty good training education. And then... Uh, few years later, when I worked at Pike Place Brewery in Seattle, I went to school for a little while, brewing school, and uh, came back and took over that brewery and just kept going. 
I, I love that story, though. So many people have done that, too, where you, you have a passion or at least an interest in something, and it ends up becoming you know, something that you're involved with or a career for a really long period of time. And it starts somewhat of an interest or passion and then a lot of ignorance where you're just like, well, you know, maybe I'll just do that. And then somebody gives you a break or an opportunity opens up. I love stuff like that. Yeah, if I'd, if I'd known better, I wouldn't have ruined a perfectly good hobby. <laughs> exactly. So give me some um, some things we should be aware of from your perspective, beer-wise. Some interesting happenings in the industry or specific beers or breweries that we should check out. Because there's a couple around the country that I love. Well, you should definitely check out Anderson Valley Brewing, uh, but that's where I work, so I'm a little bit, little bit biased. <laughs> where is that? Uh, we're up in Northern California, about a hundred miles North of San Francisco in a little town called Boonville. Uh, but we distribute the beer in about 35 States and I think about 18 countries now. Wow. That's awesome. That's huge. But, uh, you know, there are over 5,000 breweries in America. And so really in order to find good beer, probably all you have to do is go around the corner and, they're making all kinds of great beers and experimental styles and uh, some of the older styles like Goza uh, are being brought back. And I think it's a fantastic time for consumers. And if you want to be a brewer, it's a pretty good time to, to get into it as well. So uh, there, are, there are so many of those small breweries around, like you said, and they're doing some really wild stuff, even some... Um, you know, uh, fruits and all kinds of different types of flavors. Are any of those things, do, do you find any of them troubling where you're like, listen, you guys are really getting away from the, the product here. It's become too weird what, what you're doing. Well, certainly there's, there's always a little bit about that. You know, anytime you're out there pushing the envelope, uh, you go, you go a bridge too far. Um, and you know, first thing that comes to mind for me is, you know, the sparkle beer that was out a few months back, uh, where they were actually putting, supposedly edible uh, sparkly things in your beer. Yeah, that's um, that seems a bit weird. Yeah. Uh, when I, I worked in uh, Singapore for five years and uh, my mandate was to blend European brewing tradition with uh, the Asian cooking tradition. Wow. And uh, I think, I, I think I went too far a few times. <laughs> um, we made a, but I mean, it, we made it, a beer with, in order to come up with some new things or new ideas, you do have to push it and you fail here and there. I just, you're right. I, I, um, I'll see some stuff, some flavors and that, and I'm like, Oh, okay, fine. And then, yeah, you get some things that seem a little off. Yeah. Yeah. When I was in Asia, we made a durian beer and I don't know if you know what durian, durian fruit that stinks. Um, Yeah. 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 It stinks like, uh, most people, the kinder people describe it as a cross between, uh, custard, uh, onions, and rotting garbage, and the people that don't like it uh, describe it as something even worse. But uh, um, it, it, it's a yeah. love-hate fruit, and it was a love-hate beer, you know. So, what were you working on when you said you tried the, the European brewing tradition, trying to pair it with Asian uh, cooking techniques? What does that mean? Well, I, you know, I was hired by uh, a company called Asia Pacific Brewing. Uh, they wanted to get, they, they had about 30 large breweries. Uh, I think their most notable brand is Tiger Beer. Um, and they wanted to get into craft brewing. And so I went out there to help them do that. And the woman who was running the project, very smart woman, uh, uh, she wanted to get Asian flavors 
Asian cooking tradition, you know, flavors uh, into brewing. Uh, and uh, so I, you know, I, I, I was kind of that crossover and I thought I knew a lot about beer when I, I and uh, cooking when I went out there, you know, Asian cooking, cause I'd grown up in Hawaii, yeah. but I got out there and it turns out I knew very little about Asian cooking. So it was, it was an interesting five years and uh, we made some really interesting beers, some great, some not so great. Uh, but I think it really, it really helped, uh, the area kind of look at beer in a different way. And since then there are a lot of breweries that have popped up all over Asia and it, it's a thing there too now. Yeah. That's, I, I could see the, the flavors too. I was going through my mind as you're saying some of the, the flavors, um, Asian flavors with, with cooking. I could see some of those being interesting. Some of those, not so much, but yeah, that's, that's pretty good. What was it? Was there one or two that you can remember that were, um, that you can describe flavor wise that, that did work? Um, oh yeah, we we made a Belgian style wheat beer, which was the European side, and instead of you know, which is a normally spiced beer, they use coriander mm-hmm. and uh, Seville oranges, and we use Chinese oranges and tamarind and lemongrass. Oh, okay, yeah, I could see the lemongrass following that up. That makes sense. That sounds good. Yeah, and that was that was good. I thought, and uh, it was a big success for us, and I think they're still making it. Awesome. So what do you think the future of this is? Is it, have we pretty much uh, seen the future? It's just more of this now, more breweries popping up, more specialty things? Well, you know, I, I'm not sure how many more breweries we can stuff into America. <laughs> um, certainly worldwide that I think you're going to continue to see craft brewing grow. Uh, in the U.S., we may have we may have hit our zenith at about, I think we're at 5,500 breweries now. Maybe we get a few more. Um. You know, in the past, we saw the consolidation of brewing uh, leading to kind of more generic flavors. And we're seeing some of that now with uh, MBEV buying up breweries and other larger companies buying up breweries. And that's the consolidation part. It has yet to be seen whether they're going to try and uh, exert pressure to make those smaller breweries that they've bought make less exciting things. Uh, hopefully they won't do that. Uh, so it's hard to say what the future is, but I don't, I don't think we're going to get over six or seven thousand breweries in the U.S. That doesn't seem sustainable. You know, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. I mean, and the larger breweries like Sierra Nevada would certainly have a hard time if if that happened. The the book again is Goza Brewing a uh, Brewing a Classic German Beer for the Modern Era. Uh, the book is awesome, Fall. Uh, you got the you know a little bit of history. You. you got some how to, some flavors, and then even recipes in the back for Goza. So that's that's well done. Well, thank you. You know uh, we got over twenty five recipes, and they're from brewers all over the world, both home brewers and professional brewers. So the book appeals to both of those uh, groups. And uh, we got some very famous brewers to send us recipes. I was very lucky. Uh, Ken Grossman from Sierra Nevada was nice enough to send us uh, the recipe for his Ultra Vase. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, what we'll do is I'll post a link on social media so people can check out the book themselves. Is there a, a website that you have that uh, goes along with it? Well, the Brewers Association, uh, Brewers Publications, uh, published the book. So you can go to Brewers Publication website and find the book there. And uh, early next month, the book will be on Amazon. And you can always uh, write to me at the, the Anderson Valley Brewing Company, and uh, I'll send you an autographed copy. That's awesome. Send me Fault, 20 bucks. Uh, it's been a pleasure, buddy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, all right.
right. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Again, Gosa brewing a classic German beer for the modern era by Fall Allen. Hey, it's Doc Thompson, and you're listening to The Morning Blaze. And if you like what you're hearing on this show, then you probably will like Pat Gray Unleashed. Available now wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Knowledge is power. Tweet at us with the hashtag what I learned today. This is The Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson on the Blaze Radio Network.